to the Untitled Art Podcast presented by Artsy. My name is Clara Andrade Pereira, Head of BAP Relations with Untitled Art, and I am pleased to introduce the conversation entitled Lost Underground, a conversation on queer space and care, co-presented by Ulight Arts and Untitled, with field market Giovanna Gonzalez and her collaborator Monica Sorrell. The talk is moderated by Sally Eves Hooks, curator of the exhibition Common Space, currently on view at Ulight Arts. The experimental dance film explores the role of queer clubs as the spaces of communal care, liberation, and self-preservation. This program is presented in conjunction with the exhibition Common Space, currently on view at Ulight Arts. We are pleased to have you all with us today, and I now hand over the mic to you, Sally. Thank you so much for having us, Clara. Um, it's great to be together in conversation again. Um, we were here last night for the screening of Lost Underground, and um, I just want to say a little bit more about the film and the installation that's at Ulaid. So, um, as Clara mentioned, the film explores the role of underground spaces, specifically queer clubs, and motivated by acts of communal care, these spaces can function as spaces of desire, um, fostering intimate connections with people through music and shared place and um, movement. So the film, throughout the journey of the film, it reflects on the importance of these spaces as conduits to freedom um, prior to and actually during the pandemic. So today uh, I'm gonna introduce Gio and Monica. Um, so Giovanna Gonzalez is a Miami and Berlin-based artist and curator and her recent work explores the possibilities of public space, participation, gender, and technology by collaborating on, with movement and sound-based artists, political acts, analyzing and critiquing what it means to share public space as women, queer folks, and people of color. Monica Sorrell, uh, who's a producer on the project from the beginning, is an award-winning Haitian American filmmaker and artist born in Miami. Currently, Monica is a Caribbean Cultural Institute Artist Fellow at PAM, Prez Art Museum, Miami, and a Cinematic Arts Resident at Ulay Arts, where she is writing and developing her future film directorial debut, Mountains. So I had the privilege of being able to curate a show at Common Space, um, and from the beginning, which was about two years ago, the idea was to bring together artists in thinking about social space and how architecture or these places um, can create uh, very specific spaces in the ways that we relate to one another and the ways that we move our bodies and um, also that space itself is a, a production of relationships with one another. Um, so being in conversation with you, you know, just inviting you to if you had anything that was prompted by that idea or something that you wanted to think about um, was a really exciting part of this uh, film and this installation. And I just wondered if you both could talk a little bit about the idea at, at, for the film and the installation and how it developed over the last two years, which is obviously um, quite a long time to develop a project. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it went through a lot of different phases. Um, the first being that I think originally I was thinking about it as a live performance as opposed to a film. And that was sort of in the back and forth of we were like, 
out of the pandemic, we're not out of the pandemic, and then we were like, uh, we're still here. So it was like, okay, so like, let's just circle back and be realistic and also, you know, still figure out a way to stay true to the project. Um, and I, I decided to kind of land on it being a film more than anything um, because it's, it's still a medium where the performance can happen inside of the film, but at the same time doesn't require an audience per se all to be together at once. It's not a one-off thing. Um, so I think that that was like, you know, a really important decision that needed to be made at some point. And then for the installation itself, um, that's, that's at Common Space, I was looking at the room that was sort of chosen for me to exhibit the work in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and thinking about the concept of the show and really the importance of the space and how we navigate through that space, um, both public and private. Uh, I, I was interested in the architecture of that room. There is a sort of oval um, wall on the left side and there's about three entrances, two that are original and one that you imposed as, as part of the show. So for that reason, I, I decided to kind of not only want to replicate in some way the room by just reverting it. It's the same shape, um, same sort of radius that's already in the room, but at the same time thinking about this, um, this entrance point that you always kind of experience when you're going inside of a club. So there's like this like waiting period, you're standing in line, there's anticipation, you finally maybe get your ticket and then you all you hear is the music and you're that much closer, but you're already imagining the experience that you're about to have. And so I wanted to create that same sort of experience within the installation that you didn't just walk into the room and immediately see the film, but that there was a transitional phase of entry, but you heard the sound from further away. Well, and I wanted to ask too, both of you, that you know the film really follows um, one performer at the beginning throughout, and but this performer and and Ukiya is sort of walking you through the interviews and the desires of people that you spoke to in Miami about their experience in queer space and in queer clubs, and um, so through this process of Monica, how you got involved, and then the interviews that were behind this film in Miami and thinking of the meaning of these spaces, either having them or not having them. I'd love to hear a bit more about that as well. Yeah, um, I actually was approached to be on the project through those interviews. So mm. my voice is actually one of the voices that you hear in the film. Um, and I was really excited that Gio wanted to talk about this because it's something that kept coming up in our community, um, specifically, how do we, what spaces do we inhabit safely during the pandemic? Um, and so I was really interested in uh, kind of sharing my thought. You hear in the film, like, I'm just like, it's like a distant memory. Like, I don't, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and uh, so I think maybe a few months later when the show was coming, I think that's when Gio uh, wanted to make it a film mm. and incorporate that and bring in all of the kind of uh, sort of 
queer collaborators in different ways in the space. So that's why Yesenia was brought in to make a, a, a really beautiful, explosive score out of it. Akia as a sort of nightlife, queer nightlife facilitator um, to be in it. And I think it extended, you know, even in the crew, even in the spaces that we filmed at. Um, I think we tried to be as uh, as true as possible um, to what was going on. And I think there's a lot of different opinions. Um, I think there was like a line drawn in the sand because it was really complicated. I think that uh, we were seeing how the government was responding to the pandemic and the fact that uh, besides unemployment benefits, there wasn't, no one felt really safe, financially speaking. And so around that time that we started producing this, um, there were actually a lot of queer raves that were being produced in the middle, like before the vaccine was even a possibility. And that caused a, a huge rift in our community as to like, what is, what are safe queer spaces now? Does this is this a safe queer space? And I think on one hand, some people would say, this is how we make money. You know, I'm a black trans woman and this is how I've made my living and how I've paid my rent. And I don't think you should ask me not to do that when the government has done nothing to protect us. And then on the other hand, it was, um, we need to, you know, not look to the government for these things, but really look into mutual aid and how we can support one another without the government. How do like how do we transcend that? How do we go beyond? Um, so I think that was the sort of climate that we were going into as we were making this film. I mean, the the influence of Miami is so prevalent from cast and crew to location and um, it's really incredible that you were not just reflecting on the community here or communities here in Miami but I think um, offering something uh, to that to that conversation and I think that the film you do um, I don't know I, I feel like that you do take a stand at it in, in some ways I, I'd love to hear like what what to you is how do you create a space that is a space of care or liberation? How do you protect that? Because it's not something that's like a given in any club space that you go to or any queer space that you go to that it's going to feel safe. Um, I'd like to hear about that. Um, I think the thing um, about safe spaces as a concept in general is that the, the reality around it is that it can never be 100% safe but we can at least work towards it being a possibility and getting closer and closer and closer to that. Um, and that just really just requires a lot of communication. So it's like you throw an event, you are organizing with your community, how do we create this space, what are we gonna do, what is the sort of protocols, how do we address them um, ahead of time, and then communicate that to the audience. And then after that next event, you circle back, have another conversation, hey, what worked, what didn't work, what can we do better? And I think that that's kind of how these spaces have con continued to live historically uh, in a lot of ways, and also as times change, they, they also need to shift 
at the same time. So I think that, you know, um, and I, I feel like there's a general consensus around the fact that there, there technically isn't always going to be an idealized, utopic, safe space, but we can work together um, to make sure that we do that in the best way possible. Yeah, and I think it's that shift that I'm really interested in because, you know, Gio and I are in our 30s. <laughs> like, we're looking at, like, homes to buy. We're in, like, long-term relationships. Maybe babies are going to come up. Like, how do we move beyond the club to maintain these spaces? Like, how do we shift um, that kind of community care outside of... Uh, partying together like what does it look like um you know when we need help getting our rent paid or what does it look like when you know there's like a crisis some sort of very adult crisis and i think the club can't save that you know i think uh it's you know for decades this is like kind of the meeting place this is this is where we've begun um and this is where we can sort of safely meet in a space together. Um, but I think now in the 20th cen 21st century, um, there's so many other ways to um, find community. And I would love to see how we can move past just uh, the party space as the primary space for, for you know, queer care, essentially. I think, uh, like, to add to that, sort of seeing how younger generations are approaching it in some way. Like, I think, you know, you can say what you will about the internet. There's definitely pros and cons, and it can be toxic, but it can also be helpful. I think that even more so, we can see in the midst of the pandemic how much the internet has been a place of community for a lot of people. Um, and I feel that younger queer kids are able to tap into information a lot sooner and find community sometimes a lot sooner online. Um, and I think that's something that we didn't necessarily have as kids. Uh, so I think that that's maybe like one aspect and at the same time I say all that and say like that's all, it's, the internet is a very toxic place mm -hmm. <laughs> as yeah. well, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say that that's, that's the full answer either, yeah. but I do think that it's, it's an approach yeah, I think that's a great point about um, the party scene not always being this this cure all or this panacea to these issues. I mean, um, and I think that that's even represented just by the multiple voices that are that come together in this film and and in this community where it's like, what do you do? Yeah, if you have a kid or if you're older or if you're sober and. Or, and, and maybe it's there is this sort of confluence of being able to exist in this space in your particular stage of life and how can we be like open to that um, and, and moving the care beyond the party scene. Um, maybe it's through music or maybe it's through dance or maybe it's through these collaborative projects um, and, and bringing it into yeah, other spaces in Miami. And, you know, uh, going back to kind of these parties that happened during the pandemic, I think, uh, you know, one of the thing that, things that people were saying was like, I know that you feel as though as queer people we need community and, and you know, we 
aren't feeling protected by the government, so we have to find it in this particular space. But there was a lot of people that were um, really susceptible to, uh, you know, people with autoimmune disorders. Uh, like there's like a lot of intersection within the queer community that I feel like wasn't being addressed. So, what do you do with, um, you know, chronically ill members of the community? What do you do with, and I think even before the pandemic, what do you do with uh, members of the community that have disabilities, yeah. that have bigger bodies, you know? Um, I think that wasn't being addressed, and um, I'm hoping that as we move forward, not only with, uh, you know, figuring out care uh, as we age, but also trying to be mindful of those intersections as well. So one thing I was thinking about is how how do these spaces, whether that's queer space or um, underground spaces, alternative communities, influence the work that you're doing, uh, maybe even just outside this film, or influence future ways that you're working or thinking? I mean, I think for me, personally, it's it's been a huge influence for me in my life, but also my practice, and those things are the same thing <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's It's been a huge part of my sort of growing into myself. Um, and and so even though maybe, as Monica's saying, it's not like something that I'm doing every weekend, <laughs> like maybe I used to when I was a lot younger, I think that the way in which that I'm tapping into that is is through my work, is through you know, producing a film like this, uh, organizing performances, um, organizing poetry readings, you know, bringing queer folks together and having a dialogue and a conversation and or expressing ourselves in different ways, right? You know, I think that there are other mediums out there. And there's also a community that's doing it as well. And that's something that I've in the most recent years, I, I think I've gravitated a lot more to than, than only solely the, the club space as, as a resource. Um, but there's no doubt that like those experiences that I've had in those spaces will be with me forever and they're stories that I will tell forever. Um, and you know, at some point, it, if, kids are in my life um, once they're old enough I would share with them <laughs> you know but it's it's definitely a, a huge part of who I am and you know why I move through spaces in the way that I do why I create you know sculptures and installations the way that I do and and think about the space you know even referring back to common space I think this is why that the exhibition you know fit so well in some way um, for me too is this like it's, it's something that I'm 24-7, whether it is that I'm producing work or writing about something or just walking down the street, I'm constantly thinking about the infrastructure that's around me. Um, and and that, that sometimes, you know, it's, it's showing up in my work in different ways, I think. And it's important for me to also collaborate with other people and that it's not just my own voice, my own experience, because as Monica just mentioned, you know, it's, it's, I'm not a person with disability. There's certain things that, like, I can't ever 
embody or experience or say that I, I understand. And so it's a, why should it just be me talking about it, right? I think it's important that we bring a, a bunch of people together. And so we're all going to have a di slightly different experience or very different experience, and we should share that. And that's evident in so much of your work. I saw your Locust Project show last year, and not only the performance and the film that you created with that, um, but the sculpture itself, the, the core of this project, this how-to project, is collaboration. And um, you know, this idea of this, the artist by themselves in the studio making a work and then, and then not collaborating with anyone is not actually really a reality to begin with. Um, but it's true that you more so than many, many artists that I know are really, um, you see collaboration as like a core part of the work that you make, um, which makes it more complex. I'm sure it makes it harder to produce, um, but just that that uh, the tension of collaboration, I think, has has really brought to light some really compelling aspects of in your work um, that maybe wouldn't be there if you hadn't been in conversation with you know four other people. Um, yeah, it's really powerful. Thank you. Um, do you want to answer that question about uh, how these spaces might? continue influence the work that you're doing now or in the future or what you've got coming um, up? I think uh, outside of queer spaces in Miami, I think I'm focused more so on Miami and uh, the black and brown uh, voices that are sort of left unheard. Um, so I think in you know my work outside of my collaborations with Giovanna, I'm uh, really interested in making sure Miami has like kind of a cinematic voice um, that I don't think has really been developed um, in in film. Uh, so you know, looking at not an action film, not you know, not the typical Miami film, but more so like what is the life of a of a family going through gentrification in Little Haiti or uh, what is going on in the Everglades with dredging, how are indigenous people being displaced, um, how are black and brown people feeling alienated in a city that is like built for them, or that they built, actually. Um, so I think that, yeah, Miami as uh, a multicultural Caribbean, Latin American city is what really interests me, and, and I want to make sure that um, those voices can be captured and, and shared on an international level. Well, it's a, been a privilege to be working with you both and to learn from your community and your work. Um, just to engage with Miami in a way that is more um, long-term and over the course of years and, and more than just uh, one weekend. So I'm thankful. Thanks for being in conversation with me. Thanks for Untitled for hosting us and letting us have this platform to explore the film in, in more depth. Thank you. Thank